Hello, and welcome to episode 146 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Grybok, and joining me this fine evening are my standard cohorts of Evian Spirit. How are you doing this evening, Spirit? Hi. It's a good day. Yeah. It's, it's actually now... day out. I'm really excited about the fact that I'm not, like, r- rising from the dead as we record an episode, because, like, <laughs> all my mental faculties are here. It's wonderful. Yeah, I was just about to say that. You actually have been awake for, for some time now. Yeah. So that might become more normal as your weird down-under double-time inversion makes it more of a pain. Um, <laughs> so speaking on the other end of somebody who it's now definitely late evening, how are you doing this evening, Evie? I have the Space Jam theme stuck in my head, because before you started recording, you said something something jam, and you earwormed me. That's a shame, because I was trying to call out the Cowboy Bebop theme, which was 3-2-1 Let's Jam. But that's okay. Look, I hear jam, and my 90s brain immediately goes to the wonderful website of Space Jam. You know, that's that's still out there. The original website. That's a PSA for everyone who didn't know. If you want a shrine to the '90s, it's right there for you. SpaceJam.com. That's fantastic. I have to say, there are worse things for your mind to jump to. That's that's pretty fantastic. So anyway, uh, it's been a few weeks, and we've had a gigantic cluster of things happening to all of our hosts in real life. So sorry that we aren't quite as up to date. We've got a few old news items and a few newer ones, but. Basically, uh, everything's great, and our website is up, so we should be getting back to more normalcy uh, in the future. So, I guess the really the f- well, let's uh, let's God, what do we have a do we want to do a segment for this at some point, Bramble Patch? Yeah, we do want to do a segment for this at some point, but not this day, not around, <laughs> not today, <laughs> but not today. Oh my god, that's going to be great if we record it and then put it in right after we said that. Um... (laughs) (sighs) No Patch Tuesdays. Give me something to kill already. You know what they say, a Patchless Tuesday amasses nothing to talk about. (laughs) Anyway, uh, yeah, I guess the first thing that happened really is that uh, Precursor Masteries were explained. And do either of you guys want to take that? Greg, go ahead. Uh, okay, this has been a while since I read that. Um, from memory, and by memory I mean scanning it really fast to remember what I remember, um, there's a couple things that are really exciting. One of them is that, well, I guess this part isn't exciting, but there's going to be multiple tiers to your precursor weapon. So, for example, you'll start out with, like, an energizer... Yeah, that's the example they use in the article, is the Energizer. It starts out as kind of a normal mace that's shaped like the the Precursor itself, but it doesn't have the quote-unquote soul of the Legendary. So as you work on these collections, which include doing a huge variety of things, um, it progresses to look more and more like the Legendary, but once you finally fuse it all together, it'll get the soul in it. So um, from the pictures, we've kind of concluded that the, the Energizer... For example, it looks just kind of like the disco ball, but it's not really shining. Uh, it doesn't look very spectacular at all, but once it's got, you know, fused with the legendary and it's all the way upgraded, it's got the, the footsteps and the horns and the confetti nonsense or whatever the mood has. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I... But on top of that, sorry, go ahead. No, it's fine. It's... I was um, just filling silence. <laughs> the process of building the legendary is also quite varied and um, will be specific to each precursor. So, for example, the Energizer, um, one of the things you have to do is you have to go dance with Queen Jenna, which is random, but awesome, too. So I really like the that um, it's a very uh, specific process to each legendary, so it makes each one have a different feel and also kind of gives a little bit of uh, like lore backstory almost to the the process of building one without maybe directly doing that. Um, although I would be really interested to see if there was any lore introduced about the legendaries, because I think they're they're quite different from anything else in Tyria. Um, and those kind of weapons, I find, usually have stories about them in games, but there's no real context for that in, in Guild Wars 2. Yeah, I think that one thing that is worth mentioning, although everybody by now has probably already read it or heard about it, but that to sort of answer our speculation from 
a month or so ago before we had this blog post where we were concerned that it was possible that they had sort of ranked the precursors in terms of rarity for how many mastery points you would have to do. And it appears that, in fact, um, what I believe was my speculation at the time was more correct, which was that each precursor will require multiple phases. And so that's what the different tiers that people had seen for the masteries were, were, were which phase of the upgrading your precursor that it was so i think we are all pretty happy about that wouldn't you guys say definitely mm-hmm. yeah i think it's a really good evolution of the mastery system and or well not evolution i mean because the mastery system is brand new but evolution of the collection system and a great tie-in for the mastery system It, yeah i mean it, it looks like they're really leveraging a lot of things that they've learned from the last several living world releases and so that excites me quite a bit because it's you know as as spirit said each one is is obviously tailored towards the precursor and having us do things that are different than just going and getting money is even if they're simple like doing a dance in front of the queen it's pretty cool i mean i think that's i think that's really exciting actually i'm mm-hmm. i'm pretty stoked about that i'm also i mean like you said there are some simple things but i i imagine at least it hasn't been explicitly stated anywhere i don't believe but um, I think it'll be a, a very wide range of difficulty in and content type things. I, basically, I don't think you'll be dancing in front of every world leader and they just give you a precursor for it. I think we're going to have to to maintain the market as they said they want to. They basically want to keep the precursor market, but they also want to have a reliable way to acquire a precursor. If they want to maintain that, it has to be, we're going to have to work for these things. It's not going to be all dancing in boxes of fun. Unless yeah. it's the moot, then that's the one you're going to have to dance in front of all the world leaders. Yeah, but I'm looking at it, and the objectives listed for the Energizer it says 2 out of 35. So, And that may just be one step of the collection. Like, that may just be the, you know, first tier of the collection, and there's, you know, multiple tiers, as previously mentioned. So I'm expecting this to be quite lengthy, and that really excites me, too, because it, it shows that they've put a lot of work and time into it, even for mm-hmm. existing ones so yeah i think that's i think that's really neat so even though it's old news it's still big news this is really exciting to see what they're gonna do for the new ones mm-hmm. if they're putting this much yes. effort into the older ones yeah yeah i definitely need to keep getting oh and they also mentioned that the um i believe they also mentioned that they're not necessarily going to be the exact same recipes for turning them into legendaries isn't that right Yes, and also that the new ones are going to be account bound. Yes, which yeah. is a victory for everyone. I yeah, I think it's good. I think now that there's a method of attaining the precursor that's not based on RNG, then I'm totally fine with that. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, if if it weren't for that, I literally wouldn't have a legendary yet. I I have three legendaries, and I haven't gotten a single one of the precursors out of the forge. I either bought them or somebody else got them and sent them to me. So. You know, that's a huge victory, for me at least. On a side note, you can send your precursors to EVEE.1724. Please don't, though. Oh, actually, no. I got, uh, Send him a Kratkin. That way he can be super ungrateful. <laughs> Are you kidding He can me? join the cult. Yeah, you can join. I mean, dude, everybody in the cult of Kraken is so ungrateful. Like, we're the bitterest, most, like, misanthropic bunch of legendary owners in the universe. It's great. <laughs> so, if that sounds I mean, like your at jam. Least at least it's not, like, the legendary spear gun or, like, spear. Uh, uh, dude, this... you. Both of those are awesome. Especially the spear, because it makes frickin' sharks. I think yeah. that would get obnoxious. Dude, no. Dude, dude, the thief spinning attack that makes like a tornado of friggin' tornado of sharks. Like you can have the Sharknado. Oh no! Yeah, did I just sell you on a new one? I'm just gonna have to make one. Yeah. I'm so good at not spending my money. Yeah. See, this is what Relics of War exists to do: is to get people to buy underwater legendaries. Fantastic. And speaking of sending things to each other, they've also introduced a maximum weekly gold transfer, uh, which is kind of not that big of a deal, really. Uh, it's if you if your account gets five hundred gold sent to it in one week, it can't receive any more for that week. It's well, you can't 
take it out of the mail. Yeah, that's true. It gets locked in mail limbo. Um, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I know some people are were pretty miffed about it because a lot of them have guilds that you know help people out with legendaries at the last step. But I really feel like <clears throat> if you're not sending raw materials, sending because it's just pure gold, right? It's not like market value of things. So I have a hard time thinking of times where we've sent 500 gold to one person in one week. And it's somewhat of a logistical problem, perhaps, for guild giveaways or things like that. But again, that's a very, a very like one percenter problem. So Well, I think you can send more. You just can't receive right. more. Yeah, I mean, you can... Yeah, but if if you're trying to get it to one person for them to finish something like a legendary and they needed gold or whatever, yeah. Oh, I, I was know. thinking of guild giveaways at that point. Well, that too, but yeah. Anyway, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think it's okay. I mean, it's regrettable that it has to happen, but I don't really care. <laughs> it, yeah, and I think one... it's one of the better ways of them like combating real money trading. Mm-hmm. The one problem that I kind of relate to is that um some people use guild banks as a way to store money um and i really like to have a place to put my money because i just don't like it in the wallet because if i have it in the wallet i will spend it and we can no longer actually you know deposit it anywhere but a guild bank and so if you have more than 500 gold which may not be a majority of players but i would wager that it's a large percentage of players that have total more than 500 gold um that can be an issue if you want to get that out of your guild bank, um, which your personal guild bank, if that makes sense. Like if you're using a, a bank guild to be your bank because we have no bank because we have a wallet, then it would impact you, maybe. Yeah, but even There's a then, lot of maybes in that th- sentence. That's that's a mo- that's a pretty self-control, fixable thing. I mean, if you're only putting it in there to like keep yourself from spending your own resources, like... Yeah, but then it would take eh. you two weeks to get out the money to buy the precursor that you've been saving up for for years. But that's what I mean. I mean, then you, the idea would be that you would stop doing that, or you would only put five hundred <laughs> gold in there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's whatever. It's it is what it is. Then your impulse control. Yeah, or something. But put it in investments. Buy those. Buy those chaos and shadow weapons and whatever flavor of the month weapons there are. Um, but anyway, I think that's enough of that. Now onto the actually recent slash pertinent news. There was a huge... Sorry. Oh, oh, There was one more thing that I forgot to talk about in the... It was included in the Precursor Masteries thing. It's not a super big thing, but map bonuses? Oh, yeah, no, dude, that's super big. Get on it. I lost my tab, hold on. (laughs) Okay, so basically, they're introducing a system whereby each day or each map will have specific types of rewards that you will get for participating in events or doing things like jumping puzzles or things like that. And so they can use that system both to help repopulate underrepresented areas with something more than just your daily quests and also can help alleviate some of the problematic materials that are really difficult to gain other than either farming gold to pay for them or... Um, farming something extremely unfun over and over and over again and just praying that you get a specific drop. So this could be a way to help. I would I would almost guarantee that they're going to do something about silver doubloons this way because that's mm. a huge problem slash oversight. I would assume that they will spread out tier 6 materials, um, which are, again, sort of sorely lacking from a lot of areas of the game. There's certain ones that are definitely overrepresented and certain ones that are underrepresented. And who knows? I mean, they could put all manner of things in these reward systems. And I think it's a really, again, a very elegant way of fixing several problems all at once. Um, so I'm I'm actually really excited about it. I had forgotten, I had forgotten that, though, until you mentioned it. Um, just in case you were curious, just for an example, they, they wrote about Chris Shore. And um, for example, Chris Shore will mostly reward crafting materials like ancient bones, charged cores, charge lodestones or giant eyes but they also said that there's going to be rotations so while it could um, reward you any of those at one point on a different rotation it could also reward you venom sacks glacial cores glacial lodestones or ectos so we don't really have enough 
information about rotations to speculate on how those work at all, but it's that kind of stuff that they're going to be giving us for playing in, in those zones. Yeah, yeah. Really cool, though. Really, really exciting stuff. That's I think a wonderful idea. Yeah, between that and the Precursor Masteries, I think they're doing a fantastic job of shoring up a bunch of pain points that we've had ever since launch, really, with acquisitions of certain types of materials and relying on purely gold farm to get anything because drop rates are really bad and and all those types of things i think it's really smart absolutely also it's really smart because while the account magic find is kind of a cool way to reward the really hardcore dedicated players it's also one of those things where they have to take into account the fact that so many people have it and so they have to balance drop rates somewhat around the existence of it and that can be really punishing to players who don't play as often if they if the only method of getting these rewards is rng and so having things like these map bonuses or specific goals that reward you specific items uh, just like silver waste you know gives you specific rewards for having completed the events and and all those types of things um it's a really good way to to help ease up on some of that pain so it's not just you know farm 600 gold to buy something or whatever so um <clears throat> More awesome stuff there, really. But uh, anyway, back to the newer stuff. Uh, we just had the Stronghold beta last week, which was mm-hmm. pretty cool. We were hoping to get an episode out before it happened so that we could talk about it before and after, but that didn't happen. So unfortunately, I was out of the state during this time, so I didn't get to do it at all. So this is going to be the part where I basically stop talking and hand it over to Evie and uh, Spirit. Okay, uh, you can start. Ladies first. On. So, I enjoy PvP as it is in Guild Wars currently. On occasion, I enjoy it with friends. It's not really something I go and do by myself, um, partially because I just really don't like the Conquest format, where... Actually, this is a really... Remind me to come back to that point. Anyway, I'm leaving it for now. So, I thought I'd go in and do one or two games... And I grabbed a guildie from Relics, and we went in. And 24 games later, <laughs> um, I found that I really enjoyed this a lot more than Conquest or anything else. It was very... Um, it reminded me a lot of Port Aspenwood from Guild Wars in a lot of good ways, um, in that there was a lot of different objectives you could work on, and... Uh, actually, Blue said this, one of, one of um, a popular PvP streamer and shoutcaster. He said that um, Conquest is all about making bad decisions, whereas um, Stronghold is about making optimal ones. So there's a lot more thing, a lot more objectives you can pursue and still be contributing, whereas in Conquest, if you screw up a rotation or something, you're really hurting your team. And I like that a lot more. It's a lot more forgiving for, for casuals, for new people, um, to feel like they're still contributing and actually still be contributing, um, by, but even not be maybe... Was that even a sentence? Let me start over. Um, <laughs> holy crap, that was a train wreck of a sentence. Anyway, it's a lot more forgiving for new people and casuals, I think. I will ditto on that and add that because of the way the gameplay works out it while it caters more in being forgiving to casuals it also has a much higher mastery curve than conquest i think a part of that is because because of the way stronghold works with the npcs and how you have to aid them and you can't actually attack the doors directly and Blah, blah 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 blah. There's going to be a lot more build diversity, and because of that build diversity, there's going to be a lot of people that normally wouldn't be playing Conquest because it's more about what you do wrong and the specific roles that have to be filled in order to actually get anything done at a competitive level. And it's got Whereas, too much of a cemented meta. Exactly. Whereas Stronghold, you can build like. A certain team that is optimal for the way you're going to play and the other team can do the same thing and you're going to be completely different yeah and i which is which is why i really hope they reconsider what they've said about putting it into the standard rotation for pvp maps 
Yeah, I was so I was really worried because um, when it was in beta, I thought I would have to go like they were putting into the rotation, and I would have to you know vote for that one every time. But it was you could just queue for it over and over again, which was so nice. Yeah, I have a feeling that if Stronghold ends up taking off, which it is, I mean <laughs> let's be real, that they're gonna put it in its own queue as yeah. soon as there's enough maps to justify that. Yeah, I I would hope so, but we'll see. Time will tell. But I I think that's what the overwhelming majority of the feedback has been so far. So, anyway, continue. Other than that, as far as my actual personal experience, I had a ton of fun making, like, I had this idea in my head of focusing on a build or builds that could block enemy NPCs with walls or just anything. And I ended up making, like, a sanctuary-based guardian. Well, not sanctuary, because of utilities that don't want to go down. Like, wall, staff guardian, and staff Elliot. It's just, ah, oh, so good. <laughs> yeah, there were, I noticed um, things that could hold choke points really well were really successful. Um, mm-hmm. Turret NGs are, were among the most annoying. Um, yeah, I found it really interesting that a lot of the current meta builds still worked really well. I dove in on a Meditation Guardian, um, which I had never played before. I have only really ever played NG seriously in PvP, and I grabbed a Meditation Guardian and just hopped in, and I loved it so much that I will probably be going back with another Meditation Guardian. I tweaked it a little bit. Staff, like Evie said, Staff on Guardian with the the wall was incredibly powerful, not only for uh, stopping NPCs, but I could stop... At the beginning, it tended to be that there was everyone dropped their one supply off, and then everyone would go to the middle supply point, which created a really interesting. I really like that there's a like a big team fight uh, in the first mm-hmm. few seconds of the fight or mm-hmm. uh, the overall match. And- so what I could do is if I got my guardian there fast enough, I could actually block the whole team out because the point coming into the supply was small enough that I could drop a line of warding over it. Was chokeable. And I could yeah. separate you know two or three if they decided to flash over, but that was incredibly powerful if I could get that off fast enough. And speaking of choke points, I was incredibly surprised to see people running traps. Ooh. Oh yeah, I didn't think of that. I saw thieves and rangers running traps on those choke points, and they were wrecking. Hmm. Maybe I'll have to bring my uh, snare-based ranged well build out of retirement on my necro for that kind of thing. There was one thief that was running traps. I'm not sure exactly what the rest of his build was as far as traits go, but he basically sat on that choke point and just sword pistoled, blinded his way to victory. That's awesome. Yeah, I think... So how do you guys feel about the fact that everybody starts with supply? I think I've seen some people saying that... I've seen I've seen some arguments both ways about whether or not they think it's better to force everybody to fight over the first supply or if everybody starts with supply? I think it's just for the pacing of the game. Because in the long run, having that first supply makes it a little bit more of a tactical decision if you want to use it immediately Mm -hmm. or if you want to um, go do something else and then use it and then go get some more. Instead of everyone immediately going to the middle and then doing something. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly it. Because I think um, the most compelling argument that I... I like against starting without supply is that if everyone ends up in the middle and one team wipes the other on the first shot, mm-hmm. um, that team is going to be seriously down and they're going to have a very hard time coming back um, because you need to push those NPCs. Being offensive on this map is also how you be defensive in a way. Mm-hmm. So if you if your team wipes, then it's going to be really bad for you if you don't have any supply. So I think that having one supply is is the better decision yeah i i tend to agree with that even though i haven't played it this is very armchair speculation but i tend to dislike systems that are very um early game winner takes all in because it makes it feel like if you lose that first fight this is a problem that some lose the match yeah it's a problem that some mobas have really bad which is Mm -hmm. like if you if you lose that first fight you're just so at a disadvantage that it it's just it's demoralizing and even if you can come back it's usually such a big penalty to have lost it but it's also something that you have to engage in that 
you know, I, I find that to be a very frustrating design system. So I really like the idea of of the way that it is now. Um, you know, like I said, I haven't gotten a chance to test it firsthand, but it seems like even if there's a first wipe, being being one team having twice as much supply is much better than having one supply to zero supply. If you know, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean, mm-hmm. like. Um, and also some, you know, people were saying like starting with one supply gives you, gives you like sort of team build diversity in terms of how you want to spend that supply. So, you know, I mean, in addition to what Evie was saying about whether or not you want to like spend it right away or, um, do something and then spend it, there's also like how you want to spend it right away. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I, I think it's a good spot that they've put it in but again like i said i haven't had a chance to play it so on the point of build diversity it also like introduces i want to say but not really the right word the whole idea of using that choke point the Mm -hmm. like thief i was talking about earlier that was taking advantage of that choke point wouldn't be able to do that if everyone just rushed into the middle and i'm basically a build that isn't used because the that first uh matchup would be so important right right yeah, it's good stuff. Well, and I think, you know, as you guys said, there's it seems like there's a lot more room for build diversity, and I think the more build diversity there is, the healthier a game type it'll be, because it just, I mean, just, it lets people get those gears turning, you know, get get their creativity flowing and come up with new stuff, and if there's very few viable builds, then the meta stagnates really fast, so I'm and very... people, like, look at their opponents and like, oh, they have... GG. <laughs> a, a meta team. I'm, yeah. I'm leaving, which is what happens in Conquest right now. Mm. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I'm really glad to hear that a lot of sort of primarily PvE players are really enjoying it because I'll definitely cop to being a primarily PvE player in Guild Wars. At least I play PvP in a lot of other games, but um, you know, I miss I miss alliance battles and I miss some of the PvP modes that were in Guild Wars One and. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm really hoping that this takes off really well because it yeah. balances the whole PvE PvP thing very well. Mm-hmm. And I I put too many P's in that. It's PV PvE. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, PvP PvE. Yeah, I would wager if you enjoyed the Jade Quarry Fort Espenwood Alliance battles in Guild Wars, you would probably enjoy Stronghold in Guild Wars too. Yeah. That's good. That's exciting. That's yet again. It's it's another one of those yeah back all the way back from the launch issues that you know so many people have been wanting and waiting for. So I I'm just I'm very excited for ArenaNet to be getting so many of these things in that so many people have been wanting for so long. I think it's going to be great. I I think we're going to see a huge uptick of players when this comes mm-hmm. out because there's just there's so much in it for everyone. I mean every even I mean, even Worldly World, who's like the often neglected, you know, third child of Guild Wars Two, is there. I mean, they've got so much stuff to look forward to. So, yeah, I'm I'm just I'm really excited. I'm really really happy. Uh, one thing, one yeah, one thing I do want to say about Stronghold is there were some really cool. Not even some. I would say there were like probably one or two points per game where there was a really cool clutch moment that happened which I absolutely loved it was really great to see those a lot because I think I think they happen in conquest but maybe not as much as they should at least at the the level that I'm playing at um so there were times like we would hold the defensive line and rally our keep lord from the downstate which is a, an amazing feeling mm-hmm. or and... knocking theirs down and finishing their keep lord is also amazing and the heroes created a great thing to rally around which was excellent another point with like the clutch moments and you're you're absolutely right they really don't happen that much in conquest is as far as and this is thinking a little meta uh as far as watching the game those clutch moments makes it much more entertaining yeah for sure i mean when you when you if you watch esports at all you know, there's there's always some things that are the moment to moment things that are exciting to watch, but the most exciting things are those huge, like defining comeback moments or those huge defining, you know, team fight into you know huge huge momentum shifts, and that's always what's the most fun to watch. And it's and it's as you said, it's exhilarating to play and get those moments. So again, another 
it seems very built into the system to have that kind of feeling and so i think that's awesome because like that that type of feeling just doesn't exist in conquest it's like oh yeah man we won a team fight now we capture the point (laughs) okay now i wait quietly as the red thing ticks up yeah and it's like well maybe that turned out to be a clutch team fight in the sense that it was important because they never got mid back or whatever but Mm -hmm. it doesn't it's a very small victory for doing it even if it cascaded into the ultimate victory it doesn't feel that significant because capturing a point isn't that significant feeling so whereas like bringing your keyboard back up is just like (laughs) oh yeah exactly and well, in the way that you're describing it with these, you know, these pushes with the heroes or with the big, the big waves or whatever, uh, to put it in sort of MOBA terms, if in, I've been playing a lot of Heroes of the Storm lately, and, you know, you can capture these mercenary camps, which basically push with you, and, like, it feels really cool when you get this huge wave of, you know, of NPCs that are really powerful, and you get them all stacked up, and you push with this just giant, terrifying you know, this giant terrifying push against their base, and even if you've been down the whole game, that can be enough to sway it back, or vice versa. If, you know, you see that huge push coming at you, and you know that if you don't deal with it right, you're going to lose the game basically right there, and that feeling of actually defending against that is just awesome. So I'm seeing a lot of parallels in that type of design, even though it's not really a MOBA style. It seems like it's taking some inspiration from some of those types of match mechanics. Well, there's a reason that League is the most popular game in the world, so... Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh... Yeah, again, I keep saying it's exciting, but it really is. I'm very... Yeah. Yeah, should come up with a new adjective. Do you guys have any other... Exhilarating. Exhilarating, yeah. Um, Do you guys have any other thoughts on Stronghold? Uh, It's not quite done yet. It's not, it's not um, quite, I, yeah. I definitely want to see some changes to Archer's. I think they're a little bit flimsy for their purpose. Like, there's, unless all of the gates are down, there is almost no time that I would want to build an archer instead of a doorbuster. And the only reason I would want to build an archer at the end with my supply is because there's no longer any purpose in building a doorbuster. <laughs> there's no more doors to bust, therefore, archers. Right. So that's your only choice with supply at the end. So I would really like to see that. Um, them get a little bit of a buff so I might actually want to build an archer for some reason. There's a trade-off on deciding how I want to spend my supply, whether it's a doorbuster or an archer. See, I actually thought that that was intentional. I get where you're coming from, but I I thought that that was an intentional design decision to have it where if you're going to spawn something, it's going to be a doorbuster if there's doors up. Well, I guess let's put this a different way. What would motivate you to choose an archer over a doorbuster and yeah i mean like what 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 do you think that balance would be or do you have any thoughts on that as it stood with this past it wasn't even a weekend but beta event i would only summon an archer if there was like nothing else to use supply on no but i mean what like what buffs would you have to put into an archer to make it worth picking without it sort of inverting the problem or what role would they fill that they currently don't? Or just anything like that? I would That's... like to see them also be able to do... Okay, increase their damage and allow them to attack doors for much less damage than they actually do. Yeah, I think I would be okay with that too if they helped um, dispatch NPCs a little bit better. Because mm-hmm. um, it's really tough to say... Like, I don't want them to deal more damage to doors because that's what the doorbusters do. And I don't want them to be attacking players, per se, more than they already do, because that's the player's job, is to kill another player. Um, So I don't really have a good answer for you, but just the fact that I never want to build them makes it seem like a moot mechanic to me. So if if they're not going to have any function, why are they there? Uh, And yeah, it's just a weird... They're in a weird spot right now. I think archers definitely need to be revisited. I don't have the answer for you, but they should be revisited. Is my well, it answer, sounds, I guess. It sounds like Evie's answer is effectively to make them a little bit more effective at being all-rounders. Like, to okay. make them damage the door, you know, but not, not super well, and make them a little bit more damagey, but not super over, you know, um, am I... Make them a little bit more effective at what they do currently, and also allow them to attack doors for, like, half the damage that they normally do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if that's there are no other NPCs around. An interesting like thought. NPCs. Yeah. 
Okay, cool. Um, the other thing is, and I think this is mostly because like a meta hasn't settled yet, and everyone I played with on Tuesday was playing for the first time. But oh my gosh, nobody touches the traps. You need to get someone on those traps because they are so useful. So useful. Really? That's interesting because, in, though this might be because I played later on, um, there was very typically a heavy, either guardian or warrior, just sitting on that treb. Yeah, I think, um, I want to say in less than probably a quarter of the games I played, we had someone on the treb, but every time we had someone on the treb, it was always incredibly effective. Um, I personally don't like touching the traps because I'm really bad at aiming them, and then it makes me useless if I'm sitting there missing the whole time. So I obviously wasn't camping on the traps, but I definitely appreciated the people who did because it was absolutely amazing. Yeah, it makes you it makes you doubly useless because you're not only not using the trebuchet to its full effect, but you're also not contributing in combat in either. Ways. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would have used the treb, but like I said, in a lot of the matches I went into, there was a heavy on it, and they feel that rolled over better, or anyone that's more defensive. Yeah, because it's harder to displace them. Things. Oh, yeah, we got yeah we kind of touched on this earlier with um, build diversity and stuff, but I really like the amount of different strategies that you can come up with. Like the because there's so many objectives to pursue, you can have so many different kinds of splits at the beginning. Uh, like you can send two people to defend, two people offense, one person to supply. You can do one on trap, one on offense, one on defense, two to supply. Just there's so many things that you can go for immediately that. I at least until a meta settles, and I would wager even after a meta settles, that there's going to be different teams pursuing different objectives first, and that really makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And how much would you guess, or would you say, that the enemy team's composition would affect your early game strategy? Like, do you foresee it being like, okay, well, they're really heavy on, you know, heavy armor classes, and they are good at X, so we should do Y instead of our normal game plan? Or do you foresee it as mostly building (laughs) purely based on what your team is good at and doing that? I think it's going to be a mix of both once the meta starts to settle in, Mm -hmm. where people are going to build their team, and then when they start to go up against something, they're going to see, oh, this is an act where you're doing this, so this is probably the build he's using. There's a staff guardian, so he's probably doing walls or whatever. And there'll be some strategy behind that. But it won't be like, oh, they have guardians, so obviously this guardian is doing it. Right. There's a lot of things that a guardian can do in mm-hmm. Stronghold. Yeah. Cool. I love that kind of that kind of counterplay. You know, counter counterplay is a word I use a lot, but I think it's really important and interesting. Um to present meaningful choices to players and both in terms of in pvp where you are literally counter playing but also just having pros and cons of different skills so that you don't just have one set of armor or one stat type or one build type that is just the best and when you actually have different choices that have viability but they affect your strategy and your play style and i think that's i think it's really great that stronghold seems to be encouraging that a lot in terms of both build and play style and and adapting your strategy on the fly because it just it makes the game a lot more compelling i'm really interested in seeing how the pve change to conditions is going to affect stronghold if it even does uh which change are we talking about the removal of cap oh yeah well i would imagine yeah i don't know that's interesting um because that sounds like to me. I'm picturing condition rushers, kind of like uh, old school touch rangers. Oh god, I love touch rangers. Nothing made people more salty. <laughs> Actually, what Evie said just reminded me. Um, not only the changes to conditions, but the changes to CC. The heroes and I believe the keep lords had the new CC bars. Ooh, nice. And I, I think it took a lot of people off guard because they didn't really realize what it was and we're just, Haven't practiced it's not a against system it. we're familiar with yet. Yeah. yeah, but when you did get a team that got it down, it was incredibly satisfying because that it not only chunks down and you can see how much each of your CCs had done. Like Binding Blade on a Guardian, I think, took it about half down. Um, it also had a timer for when it went back up so it it would progress up to five seconds and then their bar would be back up so 
incredibly good, you know, both in that and the, yeah, the UI design all around is absolutely fantastic. So here's a question. Did you, are you able to buff your Keeplord with area boons? And if so, how does the Defiance bar interact with stability? Yes, but I don't really have a good answer for you because I wasn't running stability. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, and if the CC is ignored because of stability, it does not affect their bar. Ooh, cool, groovy, interesting. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's great. That's very interesting. Hmm. Really exciting. I hope they have another one of these soon so I can get in there and play with you guys. I was really yeah. sad I wasn't able to. I just want to go back and play. I woke up the next morning and I was like, oh, is it still on his... No! <laughs> <laughs> I really want to run a, um, like, group stealther mm. and just stealth doorbusters the entire game. <laughs> also, I have to say, I'm really happy that the test lasted 24 hours, so, you, you know, it didn't favor one time zone or another. Like, it was just, mm -hmm. it went long enough that you just could play. There, I would have know. been happier to see it last three days. Well, I mean, obviously, the longer you get to play it, the better, but... Well, it, it's just... As far as betas go, three days is kind of a little bit of a standard, unless it's, like, a very small beta event where it's stress testing. Yeah. Which might have been what they were really trying to do. So. Yeah, some of both. Who knows? But still, very exciting. And, like I said, just, just glad that everybody could participate if they were, you know, in town or whatever. <laughs> Jeez, ArenaNet, why can't you schedule things when I'm in town? That's so inconsiderate of you. But uh, they, they should call every person that runs a blog or a podcast or a fan site of some kind if they don't do one or the other two and be like, all right, what's a good time for you? And just like <laughs> compromise for everyone in some way. <laughs> Just, like just logistically, all even the time. if it means just playing a beta for three <laughs> weeks so that everyone can get to play it. Yeah, conveniently. Um, <laughs> did you guys have anything else to say about Stronghold, though? I'm, I'm incredibly sure excited something. for this to be like live. Yeah, I'm sure there's something that I've got and... to talk about, but I'm so looking forward to it. I know they have more maps up their sleeve, and I'm really interested in seeing what the differences are going to be. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, sorry, I'm thinking it back to Stronghold. I'm curious if that third door, when you're spending supply, there's a third door that has no icon on it. I'm, I would wager that new maps are going to have a, like a third type of NPC. Because hmm. originally, the thing in Conquest was like, oh, this one has a trebuchet, and I'm wondering if the next map is not going to have a trebuchet in lieu of something else. God, it's also going to be so interesting to see how specializations change all of this, too, just in terms of, I mean, yes. we only got to see literally half of the classes. Effect. I mean, it's not a whole new class with specializations, but in a way, it's a completely brand new avenue of building. Um, not so. even half, because we're missing one, and then the specializations for everything that exists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be real interesting. Exciting times. Exciting. Keep saying that. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's great. So, it sounds like that's about it for our Stronghold thoughts, at least for now, other than it's awesome! Uh, so the last thing uh, was also last week, which was that we randomly got a huge lore dump on the Hylic. You guys both read that? I know Kate's excited about it. Because I guess they're just like, oh, we need to talk about something, so <laughs> let's talk about Hylic. Because I mean, why not? Why not Hylic? Hylic are great. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. I, you know, I have a feeling that part of it's because they explicitly called out the like Hylic lore mastery as a mastery type, and so they probably wanted to like give give a little bit more background on some of the new things in mm -hmm. that. Um, because anyone want... that hasn't played uh, Guild Wars One won't be particularly familiar with Hylic and like why are these different than the ones that are already in Guild Wars Two? Blah blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they talked about several new types of Hylic, which is pretty cool, pretty interesting. Um the or at least or the, let's see, neither of these were in Guild Wars one, were they? Or no, Newhawk? I can't. Uh, to my knowledge, head. no. Yeah. I was kinda thinking for a second they might have been in Nightfall, but I don't know. Um Oh, that would have sent people in a frenzy. What? To have if Nighthall were... nightfall types? In Heart of the Thorns, when we're going in the complete opposite direction. Hey, look, you know, 
species can inhabit multiple parts of the globe. It can happen. They're not species, though. They're tribes. Well, kind of. They're clearly genetically different because they look hugely different. I mean... That sounds racist. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, I mean, the New Hawk, did you guys catch that Like, they're enormous? Uh, they're like 12 feet tall or something, aren't they? Yeah, uh, Ruby on Points of Interest was saying that you can actually fully stand between their legs on a Norn. Like, holy crap. Yeah, like they are enormous. So, I mean, the racial diversity between the Itzel or the Hylic we already have and the Newhawk being that enormous, like, are <laughs> definitely different subspecies or whatever the proper biology term is, but that's that's enormous. Also, on points of interest, they introduced the best new unit of measurement, which was standard Norn units. <laughs> <laughs> because Relics of Norn needs to use that. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah, death by snoo. Um, <laughs> uh, this joke. Um, anyway, did you, what did you what did you think about this this Lord Dumb Spirit? Uh, it was cool. It was unexpected, but I like a lot of the stuff they're telling us about. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite. I'll just tell you straight up. My favorite point is that the the way the Hylic spread is to find a safe spot to make babies, make as many babies as possible, fight about not being able to make more babies, and then send people off to find a new space to make more babies. That's, <laughs> that's pretty great, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Is that is that for all the Highlight tribes? Yeah, that's basically universal. Uh, that's really funny. I thought it was really... I actually thought it was really funny that the Highlight that we already have in Guild Wars 2 are... Like sort of the, um, I don't know the how would you say it? Like sort of the the like crusadery type. Like they they want everyone to convert to their to their religion. You know, they're like the the invasive the species. God. Yeah, like I don't know. I I thought that was I thought that was really funny. It seems yeah, it like a cool very to... calculated move on Anne's mm. part. Like, how so? I, like I in what way? I think that's going to be something important later on. Oh, kind yeah. of touch on it, but it's something that's just like, there's no way this is it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, that's, uh, it's it's one of those things where, like, it's like, if, if you're mentioning it, it's gonna be relevant. Mm-hmm. Sort of a Chekhov's gun situation. Which, on that point, I really hope that they're, um, which they've shown they, they can do this since Harlot, whatever, but I hope that all of the information we see in these blog posts pre-hot is somehow available in-game that is accessible. Yeah. Well, and I think some of it is going to be self-evident, um, mm-hmm. you know, because a, a lot of it's sort of describing the, um, you, you know, is describing how these tribes act. And so some of that is going to be sort of obvious or, you know, it may not be laid out in quite as much of a clear text format, but I think a lot of it's sort of describing the general motivations and attitudes. And so a lot of those things we're just going to see by virtue of that being... By virtue of the world being voice acted and, and, you know, having a lot of really good idle animations and wandering around and pathing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I was more referring to, like, the trivia bits, like, the Hylek and the way that they produce spawn. Yeah, well, I don't know. That's a little, getting a little PG-13. Oh, please. Game. <laughs> uh, question is, will there be spawn camping? Oh my god, I hope that's a thing. (laughs) (laughs) They Uh, need to make that reference. Do it! Spawn camping is when they go out camping to find a place to spawn. Yes. Like, mommy and daddy frog. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We are... I feel like we're rapidly hitting that point where we're devolving into not actually talking about Guild Wars anymore. (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with that. So, is there a cast cast? I think there is. Uh, kind clearly, of. Clearly yes. we weren't that interested in the Hylex because we kind of just said that it existed. Um, I mean, I, I'm glad that they're getting expansion, but I guess there's not a whole lot to say about it other than yay for more info. Yeah. It's, it was illuminating to the point where I hope that... Let me rephrase that. I think it says a lot about the kind of outposts we might be seeing and what might be going on at those outposts. So they, they've been talking about how they'll have these outposts structured with events going on around them, and this gives you an idea of 
not only the context for those events, but the different kinds of things we'll be seeing there, mm-hmm. which is cool, I guess. But it's just one of those things that it won't have a lot of impact for me until I start playing the game. And mm-hmm. then once I'm, you know, out there adventuring with my friends, I'll be like, oh, yeah, did you know that, you know, such and such about the Hylic? They're really cool. Um, yeah. But it's just, it's just not a lot to say about because it Because right one of their outposts will be a spawn camp. Exactly. It's it's like fun fact fodder. Like, hey, fun right. fact, did you know that blah 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 and blah blah blah? Yeah. That's true. So Alright, Spirit, I think it's time for you to enter into our last and best segment. Okay, I need a minute because it's been a while. <laughs> Let her gather her <clears throat> spirit. <laughs> Hello and welcome to CastCast, the podcast within the podcast about the cast of other podcasts and the style of cast of other podcasts this week on CastCast. I freaking nailed it. Um, I don't have a whole lot for you because we've really been just all of us have been crazy busy. Um, But the one thing I did really want to talk about was QQMore.net and I think I've linked them before, but it's a really, really great resource. If you're just getting into PvP, they have excellent guides on everything from mentality, key binds, how to rotate properly, uh, advice for different maps, there's video guides, text guides, interviews with pro players, all kinds of wonderful, wonderful stuff if you are looking to get into Guild Wars 2 PvP. So I thought with all the, the talk about Stronghold this week, it's an excellent time to revisit them. Alright. Well, uh, I think that's a wrap for this week. So thank you everybody for listening, and I hope you're enjoying our new site. We're still getting a few kinks worked out, but overall... We should be back up and running on a more consistent basis now, so thank you for your patience, and uh, as we said on Twitter earlier, please tell people to resubscribe because we had to lose all of our iTunes everything, so uh, you have to resubscribe if you want to get updated on all that, so uh, thanks again, and we will see you next week. This has been another episode of Relics of Ore. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofore.com, email us at relicsofore at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve. I've made a huge mistake because my hands are actually full because I'm super gluing something together. And I can't stop recording. <laughs> mm, that needs to be in the show. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah.